Hey there, friends, it's Misty. I'm back with another episode of Marketing Sweats. This season, I'm talking to some of the leaders behind the Choose Greater Peoria movement. And today I'm sitting down with a man who's such an inspirational speaker, you can't help but feel motivated just listening to him. He's a Peoria native and has been an evangelist for the area for years. So it's no surprise he's one of our most enthusiastic supporters. I'm talking about the president and CEO of the Peoria Riverfront Museum, John Morris. John has such a love for this city and has made it the museum's mission to build confidence and spark learning to unleash the full talent in everyone. You'll hear all about that, why he calls Peoria the city of gratitude, and some of the great things going on at the museum. John also shares a fun new idea on the horizon that will transform the entire museum experience. So sit back, give it a listen, and I hope you walk away with a new appreciation for our city, the Peoria Riverfront Museum, and the role it plays in educating all who visit. And perhaps most importantly, what it means for greater Peoria. Hey friends, today I have John Morris with the Peoria Riverfront Museum. He is the president and CEO and he and I have become fast friends through the Choose Greater Initiative. John, I'm so glad to have you. It's an honor to be here with you. (laughs) I'm so excited. I definitely got motivated and inspired by you at the recent event where we had the unveiling of the Choose Greater efforts at the museum and you gave such a great rallying cry. So I'm excited for you to share a little bit of that enthusiasm with our listeners. Before we jump in, I do want to start a little bit with your story. I want folks to know you. So tell us a little bit about your background, how you came up in the world. Thank you, Misty. Born and raised here in the city of gratitude, Peoria, Illinois, 1968, public school graduate, proud Peoria Public Schools graduate, Richwoods High School. And then I went off to change the world at the George Washington University in Washington, D.C., undergraduate, and I had the good fortune of being president of the student body there and interned in the White House and did all sorts of things in Washington and then stayed, worked for the president of the university, earned my graduate degree, MPA, Master of Public Administration, from the George Washington University, Washington, D.C., worked for the president of the university and then came home and have spent a career sort of building up the community's cultural, educational infrastructure, sure. if you will. I've been with Lakeview Museum of Arts and Sciences, WTVP for a decade, Eureka College, and now professionally at, of course, proudly at the Peoria Riverfront Museum. It's so exciting. Well, I always admired you from a distance. It took several years for us to get to know each other. But as I've gotten to know you, your focus on politics and your love of country and that sort of thing shines through. And talk a little bit about how your experience in a museum culture really sort of enabled you to sort of use those skills and build networking in the community and that sort of thing. We have transformed the meaning of a museum in the Peoria Riverfront Museum, which is the only multidisciplinary museum of its kind in the nation. Art, science, history, achievement all wrapped up in one, the largest movie screen of its kind, an an art film society screen in America, and the most advanced planetarium there is. So you, you put all these things together, and we have really focused not on the objects or the exhibitions of the building, but we've focused on people. Right. And by doing that, it's it's sort of transformed. So, yeah, my love of politics, I describe myself as a recovering politician. I had the good fortune of serving two terms as an at-large city councilman, twice elected, and mayor pro tem for a little while. And, you know, I've run for office and have served in office. But now everything I've got is focused on this 
this sort of mission of the Peoria Riverfront Museum to build confidence and spark learning and unleash the talent in everyone. So That's so cool. Tell me a little bit more, though. So in your transition from Lakeview to WTVB, what did you learn through those steps along your way that made you want to take this next job at the Riverfront Museum? Well, I love teaching people the joy of giving. Okay. And philanthropy is kind of a natural outgrowth of politics in a free society. Why do I say that? Because in a free enterprise system, philanthropy is voluntary giving. Nobody forces, nobody taxes you to have to support this cause or that cause, whether it's social service or health or arts, culture, history, education. And I've thoroughly enjoyed working with people who experience the joy there is in making an impact and getting a return on their investment. That's so cool. Yeah. So I think that that has sort of defined my career is working in that space of how do you turn economic investment into social return, into good for society. Well, and you do that so well. You know, I remember the first time you and I met about giving to the museum. You made me believe in a very short amount of time how our investment was going to grow the learning of our region. And I think you just, you capture the vision so well. Tell us a little bit more about your philosophies there. I love how you've already used the phrase city of gratitude in our conversation, which you coined. And I was there when you gave that speech. And, you know, I do think that we're one of the most giving communities around. So tell us more. Well, I think I just put a a name to something that was already here. I didn't invent the notion of us being a a city filled with gratitude. But you look around and the gratitude that is shown is often shown through giving. Giving is a a kind of an outgrowth of gratitude. Uh, I also believe that gratitude is a form of currency that can in some ways be converted into all sorts of returns. The more grateful you are for things, it's amazing how much more you have of things other than gratitude itself. Sure. So uh, what if Peoria really could be the sort of per capita leader of gratitude in America? It seems in some ways silly. In other ways, it seems perfectly appropriate when you know the culture of Peoria. I mean, just a couple of weekends ago, uh, the St. Jude runners thousands of people running all over the place to raise money to save these children who have cancer. Right. That's just one more little example of how people are just constantly giving out of gratitude. Right. And what a, what a moniker for our city to have. You have the city of angels, you have the windy city, city of broad <laughs> shoulders, city of gratitude. Right. Well, through the years, Peoria has been so many things, right? Does it play in Peoria? We have the Whiskey City. We have all of these names. But one of the things you said to me is like, in branding, you have to be great at something. It's got to be this thing, the greatest, right? Not just greater. And so when we were rolling out live greater, you know, workplace and play greater, you were like, yeah, but we're the greatest at this one thing. And our next phase of the campaign, we're going to be talking about Peoria as sort of the asterisk idea. Like there's more to us. Like we want to tell our story and you're such a rich historian. So I just wonder what that brings to mind for you as I'm talking about what can we be greatest at? Well, this notion of greatest, I call it the first best or only rule, FBO. Okay. You you never want to promote yourself as the 13th best (laughs) college in the Midwest. You know, you want to be the the finest in this category. So you heard me earlier today say we have the largest art film screen in America. 
which is true. We do. We don't have the largest movie screen. There are other IMAX screens that are larger, but for sure. art film screens, we are the single largest. And I'll tell you who told me that was the Museum of Modern Art, who has one of the most prestigious film societies there is in the country. Right. I was on the phone. They said, how big is your 70 feet? Our planetarium, the most advanced planetarium system of its kind. It's the iPhone 14 Pro, a planetarium system. Yeah. So it seems to me that we human beings, especially Americans, you don't say who who came in second in that race last year. You you want to know who won the race. Right. So We're categorize yourself. And here's the thing. Every individual on the planet is unique. Yeah. Every individual is actually first, best, or only at something. Yeah. Eight billion of us. Everybody is individual. And so it's not intellectually dishonest to say that we as a community and a city and a 300 and uh, 50 years nearly of human history in terms of uh, European settlement and 10,000 plus years of human history, the, the Native Americans. Sure. Th that continuum of uh, storytelling here is really re remarkable. So That's amazing. So tell me, John. Tell me a little bit about how you feel when you come into work every day. Focused on one thing, talent. Okay. The unleashing of the full talent and genius of every individual. I love that phrase. You use yeah. it all the time. What it's does that actually, mean? Actually, it's a quote that was given in 1967 by Governor Ronald Wilson Reagan when he returned to his alma mater, Eureka College, and was introduced by then U.S. Senator Everett Dirksen on the steps of the Mellick Library there on campus in 1967. And in that speech where there's a recording, I watched it during my tenure at Eureka College as the founding director of the Ronald Reagan Society. In that speech, he says the, the national purpose of our country is to unleash the full talent and genius of every individual. And I thought about it over and over and over again. He wasn't saying the purpose of the college or the purpose of this or that or government. The purpose of our country, the very fabric of the culture of freedom, the constitutional the protection of our individual rights outlined in the amendments, all of that is not for its own sake, but for the sake of unleashing the full talent and genius that is God-given in each of us. I just love that. Line. I love it so much. So I came to the museum and 95% of organizations with mission statements have had a committee put those mission statements together and they don't actually reflect the mission. They reflect themselves. They reflect the statement but does the statement, did the words actually describe what the mission is? So I came to the museum. It had all the statement down. It was art, science, history, achievement. It did collections, exhibitions, and programs, a multidisciplinary, diverse audience. Uh, but those things just described how and what. Exactly. Not, Not why. why. Yes. And the why, I kept coming back to it, was really to unleash the full talent genius. That's why families bring their children. That's why an individual comes to look at an art exhibition or to see the giant amethyst crystal that we've just acquired, one of the three largest on public display in the world. So if I said, if the board and I and the staff, if we could direct everything we have into unleashing the full talent genius, then it doesn't matter how many tools we have in the toolbox, they just add another tool. So, right. you know, if we show uh, an exhibition from Alice Walton's Art Bridges Foundation, the wealthiest woman in the United States, Alice Walton, the daughter of Walmart founder Sam Walton from Bentonville, Arkansas, is one of the largest funders of the Peoria Riverfront Museum. 
We believe we may be the number one partner to her foundation now in the country. Wow. We have 13 projects That's that we've crazy. either executed or in the works. And she's given hundreds of thousands of dollars and bought millions and millions of dollars worth of the finest American art and sent it not to New York or, or Chicago or San Francisco, but sent it here to Peoria to give access. All of that is nice, but why are we doing it? So that that little girl who comes in from the third grade from Washington, Illinois, or from a city school in Peoria, the first schools we started with were right here in our own backyard. The Peoria Public Schools, Polly Barton, Barton Family Foundation made a huge grant to follow a dream that Sally Snyder, the one to conceive of the Every Student Initiative, Dr. Sharon Karat said yes. Those three came together. Unbelievably, we launched what is one of the most successful student engagement and now student and family engagement programs in the country. 16,000 students for free wow. uh, or sponsored last year alone coming in, experiencing something in the toolbox. That's so cool. That unleashes the full talent and genius. Well, I resonate with that deeply as sort of a growth-minded human who wants to help grow other people. And so I love that you repeat that. What does it mean, though, when you say multidisciplinary? Obviously, we all know what arts are, but what about the achievement part of it? That's fascinating. Most achievement museums are the halls of fame. So they celebrate human achievement, the Baseball Hall of Fame, the there's a Hall of Fame for about anything. Sure. But we actually have turned the lens around, and the achievement we're really talking about is you. So we're the leading museum, to the best of our knowledge, in the nation right now of creating achievement points, achievement games, gamifying the museum experience. So you can, get, you can earn stamps in your passport when you come in. You can earn points for seeing this movie or seeing this exhibition or going to this planetarium show. So really, the multidisciplinary structure might be art, science, history, and you. Because yes. it, it's really about you and your growth your self-actualization. I'm sure you're familiar with Maslow and sure, his sure. famous hierarchy of needs. There are many organizations that help people meet the needs at the basic level, physiological food right, and water or right. shelter. Yeah. There are then those organizations that are fraternal, that bring folks together, meet the needs like a family would or friends of socialization. That's right in the center of Maslow's. Then there's something called self-esteem that Maslow thought about, right. which is all the awards and things that we give out and make people feel good and in school, all the lists and trophies and so forth, they, they build up the self, sense of self-esteem. But when you have all of those things, Misty, you do what you are doing right now, which is self-actualizing. You have all of those things in the box. And when you self-actualize, which is being the best you can be, right. only then are you really in the full giving position. So true. So now, if you create a society full of self-actualizers, you create a society of givers who actually lift everybody up the scale. So whether you like Maslow's hierarchy of needs or not, it does make sense that if the Peoria Riverfront Museum can be this power tool mm -hmm. of self-actualization, unleashing the full talent genius of every individual, sure. we could transform Peoria. I love it. And okay. the region. and. Okay. Who knows beyond? I'm going to dig into all this. So backing up here. So this gamification idea, you shared this with me. Is this one of the things you're most excited about for your future? I think you told me that, that there aren't a lot of museums doing this kind of thing. Like talk a little bit about. It's amazing. I mean, you, you travel on an airline, you get points, you right. drive through the coffee shop, you get points, you, you have a golf handicap. You, I mean, everybody seems to gamify and award points. 
Except for museums. <laughs> it's crazy. So we are working on it. Okay. On a massive plan that will transform who we are. But I'm telling you, Misty, right now, it will transform the museum experience around the world if we're able to do it right. And that's right. a bold statement. Right. I'm not concerned first about the world. Sure, sure. Or America or Illinois. I'm concerned first about us and our children and our families and our adults and our seniors and everybody who comes in a wide, right. diverse audience. But if we can get this down and we can show through data and outcomes, we've got something really special. Yeah. Yes. Well, one of the things I want to compliment you on, when I follow your social media even, you have so many ambassadors, right? You have created a following that is a movement that they're sharing your contact within their networks. Was that strategically part of your strategy at the outset? Yes and no. I mean, I think there's something so authentic about it. In other words, we legitimately have world-class things to see. And if you just introduce them, you don't really have to sell them or manipulate them into, into being in an ambassadorial role. They actually want to be evangelists for the cause. They, they you know, it's just part of their life. You go to a restaurant yeah. that you think is like the greatest experience <laughs> and service and dessert. You want it. You want yeah, to tell everybody. Exactly. And, and that's what's happening is our, our net promoter score for people that follow these sorts of things is a 72 right now. And that's up there with like the Ritz Carlton and, wow. and Honda. That's and great. Honda drivers, they're like iPhone people. They're sure they are. They're fanatics. They're committed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so well, and I think it's so cool that you're sort of like in the center of our downtown, right? You are tangible. We can see it. That was strategic. Downtown had some challenges. We've invested hundreds of millions in downtown. Actually, if you look at Misty, our public and private investment over the last four decades. Probably, let's go back five decades. Okay. Civic Center, Riverplex, Museum, the Warehouse District, the WTVP, a very important decision, the Ballpark, the Transit Center, the the Civic Center expansion, the medical school, uh, the hospitals, OSF just put $100 million in that building, Carl, now formerly Methodist, Portage, almost every major league public or private investment in the last 50 years has been where in our community? Downtown. Downtown. Right. Yet it still struggles. Sure. But we've doubled the number of residents in downtown in the last uh, 15 years. And so you have more people living, which is the key, actually. The, the, the stabilization of downtown by residential life is important. So I'm bullish on the future. Why downtown? Why does it matter? Because downtown is the face. It, it's what you think of when you think of a city. You right. don't think of some suburban cul-de-sac. or the, Every community has those. You think of the unique stamp of the city. Absolutely. I think all of those developments you mentioned, I think sometimes we don't give ourselves credit for how much funding has actually already been given to the community and how much is already underway. So many of the average residents might not know that, but you know that, you see that, you see how important that is as a political spectrum. And so some of the guests this season, I've been talking about how this movement we're trying to create with our greatest leaders is going to have exponential impact across the state, right? Even next week, you're hosting a Bears event for us where we're sort of partnering with Chicago. So give us a sense of sort of the macro environment and how you think that this, we're sort of on a runway to continue to grow the region economically. 
So back to your question earlier about the museum, how do you create kind of this evan evangelistic sure. culture. Yeah. culture? Same thing we're trying to do with the community. And the, one of the first orders of business, the Gilmore Foundation and Doug Oberhelm, the chair, Laura Cullen is the president, the whole board, the resources that Bob Gilmore, who was a dear friend of mine who lived to be 100 years old, former president of Caterpillar, left his money huge amounts of philanthropic, largest foundation in the history of the community to improve one place, Peoria. Right. So one of the things that Greater Choose Greater Peoria did brilliantly was they turned to a local firm who is a national force, but really international force in your firm, well, Misty and Symantle. And you know this to be true. It's a multi-million dollar firm. You yourself one of the emerging young leaders, female too. <laughs> Thank you for acknowledging that. Yeah, I appreciate it. That really stands as an example of what Peoria needs. You. So they hire a firm who's led by somebody who really is the type of person we want. You're homegrown, but you stayed. You could go anywhere. I love any Peoria. Kind of firm. Exactly. Yeah. There's something about the values here. By the way, everybody says about Peoria. What do they like about Peoria? Short drive times. Sure. But again, remember back to when we were talking about what and how? That's not why. Why short drive times matter is because of family. And connections. Yeah. And because you have more time to spend with people that are really of value instead of sitting in your car. Right. That's the why. We value the drive times here not for their own sake. We value them because it allows us to really spend time with the people we love and right. adore. So, and that's a great characteristic. I think, Misty, the branding, this Choose Greater Peoria branding campaign, it doesn't have to make anything up. It only has to hold a mirror up to a community that doesn't realize it's like the greatest community of its kind in the country, but we have kind of fallen a little bit and... Uh, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic, <laughs> but a, a little bit naive. Yeah. Here we are. It's like living in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and saying, "Yeah, nothing historic ever happened here, right, right. except for the battle that <laughs> saved the Union." Sure, uh, nothing happened. We are. We have so many inventions. We have so much pioneering breakthrough. We have so many important leaders that have come out of here. We sit on the richest farm ground and soil in the world. We are along one of the most incredible rivers in America that was formed by the Kankakee Torrent as it ripped down through and in a geological instant formed our river. We have the mass production of penicillin, which saved hundreds of millions of lives over time. We have some of the greatest uh, personalities and change agents that have come out of our area or the areas around in the rich, fertile soil, from Richard Pryor to the idea that women and men should be compensated equally in the workplace with Betty Friedan and, and her her ideas to Ronald Wilson Reagan and Everett Dirks and political figures that spent time here and emerged and Bob Michael. And anyway, the, the point is there are many reasons organically we should be proud of our history, our present, and our future and I think the Jews greater Peoria, uh, let me ask you, if uh, you're doing the interview, but let me turn it on to you. <laughs> sure. Why do you think this matters, this this Jews greater Peoria campaign? You know, out of the gate, when I was given the opportunity by Laura Cullinan to stand in front of a room of the area's key executives, something hit me in my gut in that moment that we have people who are so leaned in to not only care about growing their businesses, but to help one another. And I think that's unique, right? And, and if you're an executive and you're considering moving across the country for a job, you want to be part of that. And so I wonder if you have felt that too, as we've been moving along. I know you mentioned Samantha, and I thank you for the compliments, but I think what we do 
the best of any firm is we connect dots, right? That's what creativity is at its core. And so this movement, while it is about talent attraction, it's about taking all of that positivity, bottling it up, making sure everybody is, you know, singing the same tune and then just seeing where this goes. I've been impressed with the businesses who are fast followers, right? It takes a little bit of effort to get a strategy out of the gate. It takes a lot of effort to actually be feet on the ground and execute. And I'm seeing that happen slowly but surely. And I just think it's going to take off. I think it's, that's well stated. Good leaders get people to follow them. Great leaders get people to follow the same things they're following. Sure. So gr- the greatest leadership, in my opinion, is actually about followership. Absolutely. So it's very interesting that you you talked about the fast followers, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. That means we've got some good leaders. They, yeah, we do. And we're all sort of, you know, talking about this within our organizations. I'm so thankful to the CEOs that stand up in front of their staff and say, I care about this. Peoria matters because it's our home. It's There's stuff in it for you to care about this, right? And so I, I do think the talent attraction piece will happen slowly over time, but I've been incredibly impressed with the positive Peoria and you're a big part of that because that's one of the sort of pillars of success. Have you seen a change? Have you seen the tone start to shift? Sure, I've seen it change. And let me talk about the board directors of the Peoria Riverfront Museum. They're all volunteer board, the 21 members. We also have a separate 11 member foundation board. And then I have a President's Advisory Council, chaired by Ray LaHood, our board's chaired by Todd Baker, our foundation board by Marcy Schof. But we've got all these advisory councils for the Planetarium and the Giant Screen Theater and the Center for American Decoys and Bronzeville to Harlem and every student initiative. All of these people are on your team, the Choose Greater Peoria team, every single one of them. So every day, you ask me, like, what I think about coming to work. I serve these folks who helped found the organization who are trying to use it as a tool to really lift us up. So that's why I'm so grateful for thousands of people that invest privately in the museum, make it happen. $6.2 million annual operating budget, 86% is just gifts. Yeah. Sponsorships, donation, visionary society donors have gone from 99 to 416 during my tenure. Yeah. So the public is kind of standing up with this idea that, Let's lock arms. Let's, yeah, we're going to be realistic. There, Everything's not perfect. Right. But let's be grateful for what we have. The more gratitude we show, the yes. more we lift ourselves yes. up. Peoria, I know this may sound a little bit on the edge to certain people, but Peoria is destined to be a transformational city for the entire country. We have done it before. We will do it again. I'm not stating something that hasn't happened before. Peoria was the critical community of the Midwestern United States. Peoria was the first community founded by the French in this place along this river. So we have done it before. The most significant comedic personality to talk about race relations in American history comes out of Peoria. The, on and on and on. I mean, there's, there's just there's evidence that it's going to happen again. We, in some ways, are in the sailing game. We're not in the boat rowing game. We're in the sailing game. The wind is going to be with us. Tell, tell me more about that, because this is fascinating to me. Transform, one of the biggest transformational cities. What are some of those things that you're seeing? Well, you talked about connecting the dots. This is the problem of almost every major urban area now. They are balkanized. They are not dot connecting. We are so hyper-politicized. Peoria is not. No. We are still talking to each other. The dots are still connecting. Samantle is helping lead the way. The Gilmore Foundation is the leader of the dot connecting that you're talking about. So 
all we have to do, we don't have to really invent something that we don't already have. Absolutely. We yeah. already have it. Yeah. Real quick story. There was a time in American history where we didn't have television, radio, or film, and the entertainment was big public speaking. They, they had a circuit. They called it the Chautauqua circuit. And these speakers would go and they would fill 10, 20,000 people would come out. A lot of times they'd have these huge tents and a speaker would get up there for two hours. It was like going to a feature film to sit there. You'd take a picnic bed, you watch the speaker. Right. So there was one particular speaker named Russell Conwell who was the highest paid speaker and the biggest speaker of his day. And Russell Conwell had heard this story about an Indian, Asian Indian man who dreamt about finding diamonds, prospecting diamonds. So he traveled, to, this is a real story, he traveled the world prospecting diamonds for his entire life. Decades he spent looking in Africa and Asia and all over. And when he died, they discovered on his property in India the largest diamond mine at that time that had ever been found. Wow. This is a true story. So Russell Conwell will tell the story, and it's sort of the metaphor is pretty obvious. Right. That we have under our feet. We do not have to travel the world. We have talent right here. We have ideas. By the way, Russell Conwell took the money he made from making the speech about this. The, he called it the Acres of Diamonds speech. He took the money and he founded Temple University in Philadelphia no with the money. You can look it up. Yeah. So anyway, I love that speech because it's very uh, apropos, I think, to who we are in Peoria. We've got everything right here. Yeah. So yeah. you're connecting the dots. I think I it's see. very That makes positive. good sense. Yeah. I'm going to take a complete detour. You are an amazing speaker. Is that part of your dream? What is your biggest aspiration, John? My aspiration is to do what the good Lord above Aww, wants me to do. That's great. I think we're all put here on this planet for a purpose. Sure. We need to discern what that purpose is. Yeah. My biggest failings have been when I have stopped listening to what that purpose is. Yeah. So... That's all I want to do. And I'm telling you, in my life right now, my purpose is to help lead this museum and more importantly, to help form a community that the museum defines of people inspiring each other and being inspired by each other. Well, we can't thank you enough for that. You're such a spokesperson and champion for this effort. You know, I would love to be a fly on the wall in you motivating your team. How many people work at the museum? 31 full time, okay. and, you know, give or take. 40, 50 part-timers, depending on right. whether we have a big summer exhibition or not. But how many people work at the museum? Hundreds and hundreds. I, again, I mentioned our board of directors and foundation board and advisory Absolutely. councils. and They are all working and posting and sharing and sure. giving. Yeah. It's incredible. When I got there, we had generous folks. We really did. But now we are, we are, I mean, we are really rolling. People can see it with six-figure and seven-figure gifts now coming to the museum. Good for you. I bet you can do some major things on the horizon here. Yeah. All right, circling back around, I want to talk a little bit more about Choose Greater Peoria. So you've been kind of sitting on the outskirts. We pull you in as we need you to help us champion this message. When you first heard about it, tell me the story about where your head was, why you joined the movement, and kind of how it's been almost a year now since we started these conversations. We're staying the course, right? We're trying to build a bigger story here. But what have you been excited about? 
I'm excited that there is a convening, as you call it, a connecting of the dots of people who subscribe exactly to what my values have been all along. I've been in the Choose Greater Peoria movement for 55 years now. Right. No, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, when I got out of grad school and decided to come back to Peoria, I really felt like that was a choice sure. to come back and identify something about this community that maybe we can make a difference. So I think what you're what you're doing, what Laura Cullinan, what Doug Oberhelm and the board is doing of, of the Gilmore Foundation is it'll be very difficult to measure in the same kind of quantifiable business ways. But I already see it happening. There was a recent example, I won't go into all the details, where somebody was coming to town and we heard, you know, maybe the message wasn't going to be really positive. And four or five folks popped into action, put down the uh, the sort of negative message coming in. And I, right. I'm, I'm all for free speech, but, yeah. but I believe I'm all for competition as well. And this is a competition. It's sort of a competition between the folks who believe that Peoria region, greater Peoria. Did you come up with that, by the way? Who came up with greater Peoria? You know what? It was already, we can't take credit for that. You know, the EDC and the Discover Peoria, those organizations were calling it greater Peoria and we just felt there was equity in it. Well, I'm sure you've already thought about this, but it's like the placement of the comma. Do you choose greater Peoria or do you choose (laughs) greater Peoria? Right. Well, it has many meetings, right? It does. Absolutely. All right. Well, we only have a few minutes left and I want to pivot to you. And thank you also before we go there for acknowledging that this isn't a typical KPI as you would have in business, right? I keep talking about it as a two-way street. It's a dialogue between the community, the business community, and figuring out how we just keep the momentum going without checking, you know, a box. Does that make sense to you? Totally. Yeah. And I I think that's important that we start talking about it that way. There are ways, by the way, to quantify qualitative things and not to be too boring about it but I launched in conjunction with uh, President Jamel Wright who's at Eureka College now and I worked with her with her she has a doctorate in communications and so forth and with others there we launched something called the the index of American opportunity where we quantified opinion about whether opportunity exists in America or not so same thing with Peoria there are ways to measure and quantify the attitude about whether we are recommending Peoria or whether we're choosing Peoria. Yes. So, so as you know, as we move forward, I think there will be some quantifiable ways to see return on investment. Absolutely. And we do have a, a detailed KPI scorecard, of course. And, and so we'll be able to report out on that. And I've already seen movement in the right direction. I guess what I'm saying is what's been so cool about us working on this at Samantle is it's not a typical marketing campaign where you're trying to launch a product into the universe, right? It's creating an operating model of conversation so that as the goalpost shifts, we move with it and that we just keep adjusting and pivoting as we go along. All right. So switching to you, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your leadership philosophies. You've already shared so much with us and I'm just always fascinated how many facts your brain can hold um, and how many stories you can tell, but you've shared a lot about giving today and, you know, gratitude, but what are some things that you hold true as you think maybe the one to two most successful things that make a great leader? I spoke earlier today about great leadership is really about followership. There's all these books written on leadership. There ought to be a book written just titled Followership. So lining up folks to follow the same North Star that you follow and sort of theological sense, uh, what is the ultimate North Star? What is the why, not the how and the what? So great leaders are always concentrated on the why and the who. Yes. This is where Simon Sinek gets it almost right with his golden circle, if you're familiar with that. I am. 
The who is in the center, not the why, because we are really, all our organizations, all our society, the all planet Earth is really based on people. Right. All the structure and organization is based on the way we deal with each other. Our politics is about people. So to me, the concentration at the museum or the concentration of my life is about the who, understanding what you have inside of you, what every child and person has inside. So to me, I think a lot of the, the management philosophies are good, but focus on the person and the who and uh, and you will help them discover why and how and what and so forth. So you're speaking to a marketer's heart there, right? That's the one thing we always say is know your target audience. And it, it can be many, know your segments, right? But I think you do that well at the museum. I think we're working on that for Peoria to figure out who we want to draw here, but also defining our why in the process as we have these kinds of conversations. a little bit more about you as a leader. What are some of your greatest successes and failures? And what have you learned along the way as you've had those experiences? In order to inspire people to follow what you're following, they have to know what it is you're following. Sure. So how do you get a message from a sender to receiver? It's called communication. Absolutely. So uh, I, I communicate incessantly. I wake up every morning and I write, I send an email to my board almost every day. Right. Full on briefing and they seem to love it because I'm keeping them in the loop because I I don't feel like I'm burdening them. I feel like they're a part of the excitement. So communication done effectively and sincerely and authentically about real stuff, that's the best. It's I, a form of giving. I couldn't agree more as a communicator, right? That's like well, you do it why all the time. I wake That's up what every this day. is about yeah. right here. You're communicating. So, yeah. I think it's it's so key to leadership to over communicate. I love that you do that writing. That's got to be fulfilling for you. Well, you're a writer too. I, I mean, do. I've I love seen to it. Write. And, and yeah. you, you look around the community and people that take time to communicate, sometimes they're doing it to promote or to market. And I get that. But sometimes they are doing it to share. Yeah just to share something meaningful and uplifting. And just a very quick story. About a month or two ago, a family came to the museum and this nine-year-old boy was with them and he was with his grandfather. And I knew his grandfather, Dick Williams, an attorney in East Peoria for years. A lot of people know Dick. And this, this, little, this little kid named Xander, X-A-N-D-E-R, Xander was there. And he started telling the whole family about this painting and what it represented, the heart, he said. It was actually a farm painting. It was an agriculture painting. And I said to his grandfather, do you mind if I just take out my phone and capture this? And I sent it to the whole staff. I said, this is what the museum is all about. This little Xander, amazing. Was it turns out, I got a call from his grandfather five, six weeks after that. And Xander passed away suddenly inexplicably at nine years old. He had been in a school play and he'd been swimming that day. And it was so unbelievably heartbreaking, but it was also so sort of heartwarming that something told me Xander's interpretation of that painting was worth recording on my phone and sharing with the grandfather. And it turns out, I think it was the last kind of recording of Xander sort of speaking directly to the camera. 
beautiful moments like that. That's why I come to work every day. Absolutely. And I saw that you posted that on social media and it is those kinds of experiences that as leaders, we will never forget. I always tell my team, you know, I'm not going to remember the projects that we launched or the big strategy presentations. I'm going to remember when people came and sat across my desk and shared with me, they were having a baby, right? Or they were getting married. It's about those kinds of life moments that make our work so meaningful. So I appreciate you sharing that. What made you do what you're doing. You own a, you own or co-own a, a major national firm. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of building it and representing now the future of Peoria's brand. I mean, what? Why did why did you do that? You know, a lot of people ask me that question. I don't know that I ever had a vision to own a business, right? I just wanted to learn and grow. And then people saw things in me and I kept walking through doors. And that's a question that, you know, I ask in these interviews is like, what advice would you give to a young person? And a lot of times what leaders say is just keep saying yes, right? Obviously you have to have boundaries, but if somebody opens a door for you, walk through it because you don't know what's on the other side. Have you had that same experience in your career? Just keep saying yes. You don't know. That's what I was talking about earlier. It's a sailing game. The wind is going to blow sometimes. You just adjust uh, adjust your sail. This commitment that we share, I think, in the community to building each other up is a very important thing. And I need to mention one final thing, which is I have a constant reminder that drives me and and my wife, Cindy, who runs the Peoria Public Schools Foundation, uh, which is a private not-for-profit associated with the Peoria Public Schools. And there's so much excellence going on in the public schools here that does not get the light of day. She works on that all the time. But among the many projects that she has is a little free pantry of food for the families that are so destitute they don't even have food and again maslow's hierarchy of needs if you don't have meet your physiological needs at the bottom you're you can't learn Absolutely. so they put canned goods and dry goods some other things in this little pantry like the little free libraries and my wife had this story a couple of years ago happened i'll repeat it here quickly but she she was waiting in her car uh, near the little free pantry at one of the schools, one of the poorest of the schools in the district. And she was actually with the superintendent who'd run inside to do something. And she saw this woman, an older woman, come up to the little free pantry, open the door, close it, and leave with nothing in her hands. So something told Cindy, I, I've got to find out what what was she doing? And she went and opened the door of the little free pantry, and there was a tiny little note there that said, thank you for this. And she was a grandmother appreciating the food that she was able to give. She didn't take any food. She just brought a letter, a little note of gratitude and left it in the pantry. That is the city of gratitude. The woman with practically nothing to her name, appreciating that food was being provided so she could help feed her grandchildren to get them ready for school. That's Peoria. That little micro example definitely pays off your comment that gratitude is currency, right? Because it just pays forward. It's such a gift. So thank you for that. We'll get back to the rest of the interview in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Symantle. I happen to know a thing or two about them because I'm one of the owners. Symantle is an industrial consumer marketing firm with an obsessive focus on customer experience. We not only execute killer marketing campaigns, but we help organizations align around goals, audiences, messages, channels, and tactics to create more than campaigns, but programs that align to business strategies. Symantle has 40 years experience crafting positive, engaging customer experiences at every point in the consumer journey. And if you like what you hear on this podcast, head to symantle.com slash blog for more content. 
You'll find articles, tips and tricks, do-it-yourself tools, webinars, and more to help you keep learning and growing right along with us. All right, John, I have one more question before I let you go. It's somebody I ask everybody, and I'm super curious how you answer this. What's a question that you have for another? What's something you're struggling with right now that you want to put out in the universe? That's a great, that is a great. Because I bet you have a thousand of them knowing you. Yeah, no, I've got a thousand of them. It's interesting because I find myself so driven to move in the directions that we're talking about here that the achievement of balance which is necessary. Right. There's, there's a reason that God took the seventh day off. Right, right. <laughs> took, took a rest. There's a reason farmers rest the crops or rest the farm ground every few years to replenish. So yeah, my question is probably, how do you do that? How do you do it all? Because <laughs> I, so ex- I get so excited, so driven. I know. And I, I know. actually, I know how you do it. You have to force yourself to do it. But And pull on your team, right? I think that that's been a, another big theme this season is none of us as leaders can do what we do without the people that surround us. So it allows us to take a breath, but it also enables everybody else to sort of use their power to help us drive this big mission forward. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Misty, for taking some time with me. It's Absolutely. been a pleasure. Thank been you a great for being interview. Here. I've done many, many <laughs> interviews, but never been on Marketing Sweats. Oh, before. yeah. Well, I hope you come back. Thank, Thank you for you. being here. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marketing Sweats. In Season 8, I'm sitting down with leaders from Peoria area businesses and civic organizations to talk about the huge collaborative effort underway to raise up our community called Choose Greater Peoria. We're all joining forces like never before to promote the place we call home, where you can work greater, live greater, and play greater. That's the Greater Peoria Advantage. To learn more about this movement, visit choosegreaterpeoria.org. And if you like this episode, you can hear more at our website, marketingsweats.com, or any of the major podcast listening platforms. You'll find over 70 episodes with guests like marketers, business consultants and leaders, personal and professional development coaches and authors covering a range of topics like B2B marketing, CX, brand building, data, tech, and more. That's a wrap for today. Keep up the good work, friends, and we'll chat soon. 